What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Before it was supposed to the boat, nothing but the repeat with Wentz back on the throne. All we do is set trends, so you know all we own. Yep, I'm back with the remixes for the jaw. All birds, all Philly, midnight green. Things changing for the better since we got that ring. Put the league on notice, we're not done. 2019, we adding another one. Yeah, you heard me right on every Tuesday night. Eight to ten birds of a feather got that flight. Nothing but the hot takes. Back with the big facts for the fans by the fans exactly where we at pull up to the tailgate stop by f1 baptized by the pope been bass for everyone flying in from the west coast even overseas get blessed by ginger jesus we disciples of the tree wait chmp s don't stress we on the same conquest dominate the division destroy the nfc conquer the afc grab that vince lombardi which to aj clim it up the gut be grand with the strip sack this sound familiar huh agalore on the slot, Sproles with the return, Mills with the pick six, okay, wait, it gets worse, Jay train on the run, J.E. hitting from 60, Fletcher seeing that D-line, that's what you don't want to see, Erks catching tubs, foes on another level, the Super Bowl ain't the only time you see that Philly special, we live from Broad Street, brotherly loves the heartbeat, hungry dogs run faster, and we don't eat cheap, no one likes us, and we don't care, cause we from Philly, and we ain't never scared, look up. But I just gotta know one thing. Are you ready? No, I said, are you ready? Well, what is up, Philadelphia? Welcome to the 4th and John Show. Episode 78, boys and girls, where do we even begin with the historic shellacking we saw our Philadelphia Eagles take against the New Orleans Saints on Sunday? 
Where do we even begin? Now, I'll begin it with this. I spend a lot of time in show prep on Monday and Tuesday thinking about what we're going to discuss for the upcoming show and thinking a lot about what I'm going to say during the opening monologue because I feel like this is my best contribution to the show. How the opening monologue goes, I go, right? Now, it's a little bit pre-thought out. It's a little bit pre-scripted, but Doug Peterson could take a page out of this book and know that if the opening goes well, the rest of the game will go well as well. Now, I, it's easy for me. I can sit up here and bitch and complain and moan and whine and go over every little thing that the Philadelphia Eagles did wrong on Sunday for the entire season, during the offseason, I can whine about the players, I can bitch about the coaching, I can complain about the front office, because all of it has been a disaster. That would be easy for me right now. But I have had one thought since Sunday night just bouncing around in my head. Bounce, bing, 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 almost like a pinball machine, bouncing around in my head. And I can't get rid of this buzzing in my ear like a mosquito until I say it out loud. So, here goes the old grenade towards the whole conversation, right? Because right now, this Philadelphia Eagles team is broken, both literally and figuratively. Literally, because the injury report, I've never even seen anything like this in my lifetime being a Philadelphia Eagles fan. It's not an injury report. It's a damn obituary for this team. It is an unbelievable list that players that are either on injured reserve we haven't seen yet are missing time are going to continue to miss time and we're not going to see for the remainder of the season. It is absolutely unbelievable. When I say broken as far as figuratively speaking, this team lacks any sort of confidence whatsoever. Any sort of confidence. And when I say confidence, I'm talking about not only in the players, I'm talking about in the game plans, I'm talking about in the way Jim Schwartz calls his uh, defense, I'm talking about the entire thing. But the thing about confidence is it can't be manufactured. It, can't, it, it just can't be. Either you have it or you don't. So when the Philadelphia Eagles faced adversity during the 2017 season, especially going into the playoffs, what was the mantra? Where did they find that confidence? We're underdogs. We're underdogs right now. But ask yourself this question. Was that coming from the front office? No. Was that coming from the fans? No. Was that coming from Doug Peterson? No, it was a player-adapted mentality when they walked off of that field with dog masks on. The whole city and fan base and coaching staff, they embraced that mantra because it came from the players themselves. Lincoln Financial Field had to change their rules. There was a no-mask rule up until that point, and they said, hell, if you want to bring in your dog mask, put them on, you can absolutely do so. The confidence came from the players themselves. So here's the grenade. We're playing the Giants next, right? I need somebody in this locker room, I don't care who it is, to step up like Odell Beckham Jr. As much of a distraction as he has been early in the season, the New York Giants, they found their low point. They hit rock bottom early on in the season. Then two weeks ago, what did OBJ start saying? Almost out of the blue. This team can run the table. 
He was correcting commentators on national television. Hey, Odell, if you win this game. No, 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 no. When we win this game. Odell, if you win the next game. No, 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 no. When we win the next seven games. He put it out there. He unzipped it, put it on the table, and laid it out there. I need somebody on the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't care if it's Jason Kelsey. I don't care if it's Lane Johnson. I don't care if it's Fletcher Cox. I don't care if it's Malcolm Jenkins. I need somebody in this locker room to stand up and tell the Philadelphia Eagles fans that this team is capable of getting it done. I need one of these leaders in a locker room full of champions to say that to me. I need somebody to step up and say, you know what? This team is capable of winning the NFC East. This team is capable of going to the playoffs. And it starts this week. Because I have fought side by side by these men and battled adversity last year in the past. I believe in my teammates. And I know my teammates believe in me to get the job done. I believe that the Eagles can go to the playoffs and win this division. I believe it because there is a locker room in here full of Super Bowl champions who have done it before. And I'm not and the reason why they're Super Bowl champions is because nobody believed in them. And I'm not saying this right now, and I need that person to say it's not about adapting the underdog mentality that we had last year. That was last year. That was last year. But whereas hungry dogs run faster, angry dogs bite harder. You just lost to the division opponent, Dallas Cowboys. You just got shellacked by the New Orleans Saints. Angry dogs bite harder. You ever try to approach a dog that's injured? It ain't a good scenario. You ever try to approach a dog that's got its back up against the wall and feels threatened? It, it, it ain't good. Angry dogs bite harder. I need, I need not coach speak. I don't need what Doug Peterson is trying to put out there and failing to do so with the new norm, with embrace the target, with the pressures off of us now. None of that. That's manufactured confidence. I need somebody in this locker room to step up right here, right now, because the season's on the line. I truly do believe that the Philadelphia Eagles can win this division. And can go on to the playoffs. But as I recognize as the cards start to fall, if they're two games back, I also have to self-realize or or, or recognize the fact that we're one loss away from being tied with the New York Giants. As close as we are can be and are to possibly winning this division, we're just as close, if not closer, to being at the bottom of the basement of this division. Doug Peterson ain't going to help you out. Golden Tate ain't going to help you out. Howie Roseman ain't going to help you out. You got to help you out. Time to step it up. Angry dogs bite harder. Gail Saunders, Mr. Eagle Sessions on Twitter. How are you doing tonight? Uh, Well, the great Ray Dittinger says one way to judge football players is by how hard they work when their team is getting beat. And today, Malcolm Jenkins took the words right out of my mouth. Um, The demeanor of this team really bothered me. The demeanor of this team really bothered me. And going into this game, I knew they were going to lose this game. But what I needed to see from this Eagles team was some fight, some pride in what they were doing on the football field. And I got neither. 
And when you talk about two field generals in Carson Wentz, who had the worst football game of his NFL career, visibly upset on the sideline. Malcolm Jenkins, the voice of reason, visibly upset on the football field, flipping off Sean Payton and throwing his football helmet on the side of the field. If you've listened to any mic'd up Super Bowl videos, you know that Malcolm Jenkins is the lifeblood of this locker room. And when you have two guys from these, – these are the leaders of this football team. And watching them lose their composure tells you something about this football team. Now, Doug Peterson, from top to bottom, play calling, assistant coaches, getting players lined up, it's been a mess. And, and, and it's a time to – you know, we, we talked about the dynasty at the beginning of the season. Mm. Nothing above the repeat. Mm-hmm. Downgraded to nothing above the NFC East. Good observation. Last week was nothing above the embarrassment. Nothing above the embarrassment. What you guys put on the field last week was embarrassing to yourselves, to the to the franchise, to, to the front office, to us fans. Have pride in what you do. This is what we asked for last week. Have pride in what you do, gentlemen, on the football field, because it's just you right now. You have Doug Peterson talking about trust the offense. Trust the offense. They can't even – they're challenged right now to figure out how to use Golden Tate. What? So at this moment in time, it's, it's time to look back at yourselves, players, because it's just you. The fans can only do so much. They can go across the sea. They can go to New Orleans. They can go to L.A., and cheer for you. The coaches can only do so much. They can only ask you to execute so much. But it comes down to the players in the locker room. Time is, time is it's knuckle-up time. Which one of these players in this locker room is going to fight for this division? We've had a terrible season, folks. But we have to win games to get this to right the ship. But what player? You talked about Carson Wentz. Is he going to step up and be our leader? Is Malcolm Jenkins going to get this defense right? We know there's injuries. We know there's injuries. But it's time to group together and knuckle up. Because if you, if you don't come to play, it's going to be a long season, gentlemen. Well said. Well said, Gail. Well said. I'm still getting over the fact that I, I just said out loud in front of a microphone, in front of thousands of people to listen to, that the, somebody on the Philadelphia Eagles needs to step up like Odell Beckham Jr. I'm still, I'm still trying to. Hey. I, can't, I can't believe that I even needed to say that. How'd that taste coming out of your mouth? Absolutely disgusting. <laughs> but it, but is it not the truth, Gail? Just as you said, like it needs to be the players that pull themselves out of it. It's not time. I, I think it was Dave Uram. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know that for sure. But he was posting a video of Kelsey's thoughts, and then he showed the video to Malcolm Jenkins' thoughts. And Malcolm Jenkins was like, "Well, Kelsey's entitled to his opinion." And then he showed it to Brandon Graham's thought. No, I need the leaders in this locker room to grab a flag, put it on a hill, and say, "Come get it." And if somebody come comes and gets it, so be it. If you don't make the playoffs, so be it. If you end up the last place, the last team, last place in the NFC East, so be it. I can, I can deal with injuries. I can deal with bad play calling. I can accept defeat. What I will not accept is no heart on the back stretch of this of this schedule. Get pissed off. Get angry. 
Play with angry. Knock a dude's teeth out. You play with anger. Listen, I'm not going to say that this Philadelphia Eagles team quit against the New Orleans Saints. Because quit's a strong word, man. Like, you you could probably look back at the film, see some dudes dogging it. That's fine. But quit, there's a lot of things I'd rather be called in this world than a quitter. And I'm not about to tell a group of men who have spent their entire lives since they were knee-high playing peewee football to reach their dream in the NFL of playing in the pros that they now quit. I'm not, I'm not about to accuse anybody of that. But I need to see some teeth. Yeah. I need to see some anger. Some grit. And now there's a team in New York who, had, who gave you your best victory of the year who's now sniffing themselves. They're feeling themselves because a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. said that they were going to win the next seven games. And they went ahead and they beat a San Francisco 49ers team without their starting quarterback or their starting running back. Hey, good for you. And they're pumping out their chest about beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of the league's worst defenses. Yes, you did. Meanwhile, we just got shellacked by one of the best teams in the NFL who beat the number one seed in the NFC and the, and, the Dallas Cowboys. But if you're going to take it out on anybody, if you're going to get pissed off, and not and not and not sit there and pout. And oh, I don't like the demeanor. Oh, you know we need, we do need to play better. No, we need to look at ourselves in the mirror. No, you need to punch a dude in his mouth because you're the world champs. Evan Hollywood Hearn, how you doing? I mean, I don't know how I'm supposed to follow any of this up. <laughs> if I'm being completely real, um, I've never been in recovery. But from what I've observed from the outside looking in, I'm in uh, I believe the second stage, which is acceptance of what's going on right now. After watching, that that was probably the most demoralizing loss I've watched the Eagles lose, given the context of them being Super Bowl champs. they You, you said historic loss. That that wasn't a joke. That was yeah, no, that, the that was biggest serious. loss by a former Super Bowl champ in the previous season that has ever happened. This team, granted, is decimated by injuries, but they lack more heart than any, than anything else in, in that's going on right now. Um, the play calling is an absolute mess. The problem that I have most with this team and the reason that I have so little confidence in them writing the ship is because I have I have been given z- nothing to to give me any sort of direction that we're heading in, in the right way. Like nope. on all every single facet of this team is in complete disarray. I, I, I feel like like practices must just be like like a chi- everyone's like a chicken with their head like cut off, just running around wildly. I, I I have never seen a fall from grace like this, and I believe it is attributed a lot to injuries. But the lack of heart is just really what is um it's demoralizing, man, and it, and it hurts. Um, I I live and die for this team. I got. I got a tattoo on my body for this game, and I, and I, and I don't regret it because that was, that was the best year that I've lived following this team. But I, I need something more, guys. Like, I, I, I need them to – what happened to the new norm? It's we're well past that. Well, we're well past it. But, like, how, how soon do we forget about that? You know what I mean? Like, how – I mean, the, how, how have we yeah. fallen this far? I mean, the question is: is is, is Doug Doug Peterson's message getting stale in the locker room? Yes. Yeah. 
You know, nothing, like, nothing he's saying is sticking. Yeah. I mean, he's saying we'll throw mud to the wall, but maybe it's not mud you're throwing to the wall. Maybe it's poo you're throwing to the wall. <laughs> yeah. It's dookie. Because it stinks. The 15-play yeah. script stinks. Stinks. We're the worst team in the NFL in the first quarter. 21 points in 150 minutes of football in the first quarter. We've scored 21 points. 14 of those points were against the Giants. And we've become completely one-dimensional on offense, which is whenever we come into, we come in here and we're doing our predictions for a game, we, we look to the fact that if a team is one-dimensional, like how we said the Cowboys were earlier in the season, mm-hmm. we're that team now. Yeah, we're that team. We're, we're the one-dimensional team. team that is very easy to game plan for. They've, they, they, they've figured it out. Yeah. And, and, and I, need, I, need, I need Doug. Like, listen, Doug's in a tough spot right now because nothing he's going to say up at that podium is going to satisfy the anger that is now the Eagles fan We're base. frothing at the mouth. We're frothing at the mouth. And what he's got to do, he's, he's in a position with, it, with, a, with, a, with a lot of coach speak, you know what I mean, saying a lot of cliche stuff. But, I, but again, I need the players to step up and say that. I need Doug to talk less, especially during the press conference. On Monday, when he had this to say. Doug, what's the message to fans after yesterday's loss and going forward? I think the message to the fans is just like I told the team after the game. I mean, you know, first of all, you can't hang your head. And if anybody does and anybody begins to sort of doubt, um, you, quite frankly, you don't need them. Because, because really? we believe, and, and I mm-hmm. believe in those players, I believe in those coaches. And, and it's a group that is hurting, quite frankly. Um, and it's a group that... that, that will get themselves, pick themselves up this week. They're not going to feel sorry for themselves, and we're going to get ready for the Giants. Easy, Doug. Easy, Doug. Pick your battles. Pick your battles. Because I heard that. I was fishing. I was so furious on Sunday that I had to, I had to go clear my mind. I'm at Squan Inlet on some rock jetty trying to fish for some stripers, and I'm listening to this dude's press conference because now it's got to interrupt my fishing time. It's got to interrupt my peaceful time. And I heard that quote, and I thought a seagull was squawking in the background. Hmm. I'm thinking, I didn't, I didn't hear what I just think I heard did I mm-hmm. Doug say less choose your battles mm-hmm. because what I just heard was a watered-down version of what Jalen Mills said about fake fans mm-hmm. doubters what have you given us to really pick our heads up about besides the New York Giants game early on in the season doubters Doug I'm doubting it I'm doubting it and I'll tell you what I was here long before going to games at Veterans Stadium long before you were even a backup in this town. And I'm doubting. And a lot of other fans are doubting. Give us something to believe in. Don't tell us that they don't, we don't need to be here. We are here. Mm-hmm. We are here because we believe in you. Give us something to believe in. I mean, quoting the great Maya Angelou, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And we've had 10 weeks of what the Eagles are. I mean, this is no surprise, and you're wanting to believe in something. Mm. So give us something to believe. And I've heard this from a couple of the players, and you know, if you know, we know what we have in the locker room. That's all that really. You haven't shown anybody anything. You've lost five of the last seven games. You've you've lost how many games in a row at home? I mean, it's it's put up or shut up. I mean, it's talk is cheap, man. Talk is cheap at this moment in the time. If you're not giving results. Don't expect Eagle fans to be like, oh, it's okay. It's you know, cool. You know, you know, like I, I, fans that are like, oh, you guys are so hungry, grateful that, you know, they won a Super Bowl last year. It's like 
as a football player, if you've ever played football, you don't line up the next, you won a championship the year before, you don't line up the next year and say, I'm going to lay down because it's whatever. I'm you just know? here for the ice cream. It's it's about winning. It's about a dynasty, as we talked about. Mm-hmm. So don't give me this. Just results. It's all about results. And as far as the Eagles and the New York Giants are, are concerned, you know, the, I feel like the game up at MetLife Stadium this year was a little bit of the anomaly because the Giants are historically have played the Eagles pretty tough, mm-hmm. especially under Doug Peterson. It's always a close game. It's always coming down to the last play of the game. So the Giants, who are, again, sniffing themselves after two wins, rightfully so. Hey, listen, when you hit rock bottom and you start getting that winning feeling again, nothing feels better in the world. So, of course, they want to experience that again. They're going to be clawing and scratching. But what needs to change in this game is not only the overtone in the confidence of the Philadelphia Eagles players, but also, too, I mean, something that we went into the New Orleans Saints game saying absolutely positively had to happen, and that was everything that was a weakness so far this season had to become a strength. You needed a play out of special teams. Mm. And it looked like Corey Clement was trying to make that happen yeah, early on. Yeah, a couple early, good returns. The games. But more importantly, when you beat the New Orleans Saints a couple years ago, it was based off of turnovers. Mm-hmm. And right now, the Philadelphia Eagles just aren't forcing the turnovers that they need to to get that field position to put the offense back on the field. Mm-hmm. Turnovers, if I was going to give you... The story of the 2018 Philadelphia Eagles, number one would be injuries. And I would just yeah. unfold That's it. one, two, and three. Yeah. I would fold down a sheet. The other thing I would give you is turnovers. Because they only have seven this year. And the seven that they have this year, I went back and rewatched mm-hmm. What happened during those seven turnovers? Because there's a difference between playing soft and playing aggressive. Because when you're playing aggressive, you are forcing turnovers. You're forcing that offense into mistakes. You physically are imposing your will and altering the outcome of plays like they did against the Minnesota Vikings against the NFC Championship game when Chris Long bends the edge, gets on... um, Gets on what's-his-face's hand, alters the course of the the pass. Patrick Robinson uh, picks it off, takes it to the house. Like in the Super Bowl, when Brandon Graham strip sacks Tom Brady and Derek Barnett picks it up. So I went back and I looked at how many of these turnovers are actually, like, forced. Mm -hmm. As opposed to the Eagles' defense playing soft and waiting for the offenses to make mistakes. Week one, Razul Douglas on Julio Jones. He comes in for one game, makes a great play on the ball, turnover. Week two against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there was a pass deep middle to O.J. Howard, which was complete for a first down. McLeod hits him, ball flies up in the air, Darby, right place, right time. Is that forced? I don't know. It it, It was a complete pass. Right place, right time is right place, right time. I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider that forced. Later on in that game, Malcolm Jenkins strips Evans in the fourth quarter. That was a, that was a strip. He stripped it. Week four, Marcus Mariota completely overthrows his receiver. No pressure in his face. Just sails the ball, and Avante Maddox just happens to be there at the right place, right time. Week five, Kirk Cousins, with no pressure in his face, throws a lateral accidentally, which is then dropped by the running back who's out on the screen who probably would have picked up yardage. Accidental. Drops it. Live ball. Eagles ball. 
Week six, Eli Manning, inter- interception, um, Gruje Hill, right? Mm-hmm. Hicks bats the ball. Now, this is one of those ones like the, the situation in Tampa Bay where it's like, you know, what was it forced? Was it not forced? I'm going to give it to him as forced because Hicks batted the ball and Gruje Hill got it. Week eight, Maddox hits a wide receiver in the legs after a completion. This doesn't even hit him where the ball is. Ball just happens to pop out. Jenkins recovers. There are your seven turnovers. You could argue that three or four of them are just dumb luck turnovers. So that means out of those seven, three or four of them are the only ones that you physically enforced your will to alter the offensive play and get possession of it. And I'm not not harping on the defense right now because if you take a look at the offensive side of the ball, out of those seven turnovers, sacks or fumbles, only three of them were con- were converted into points. And those three were only 17 points. Yeah. So simply put, the Eagles defense not taking the ball away enough. Eagles offense not making the most out of their opportunities when they have the ball. I mean, you're thinking about last season. They set the tone against the Redskins. I mean, Fletcher Cox scored a touchdown. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they started the season off with a bang. Mm-hmm. I think that's where they, they have to like get, get back to doing that. Maybe Tim Jernigan. Uh, we've been missing that kind of pressure opposite of Fletcher Cox. We need a guy that can beat one-on-one. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Fletcher Cox has got to step it up. Even though he's getting double teams, there's a guy named Errol Donald who's double teamed 75% of the time and has leads the NFL in sacks. So, Fletcher Cox, you got to be the man. You got to be. They have to be more aggressive on defense. I don't care if it's the prevent defense, the picket fence defense. By the way, never name your defense out of something a dog can jump over. Because that's just stupid. All right? I don't I don't care what you're doing right now ain't working. Uh. It ain't working. Change it. You've had the most success what was the game where Malcolm Jenkins said, this is the most pressure we've ever put on, this is the most blitzes that we ever put on, on, on uh, against the team since Jim Schwartz has been there? Wait, wait, that, that was against Jacksonville. Yeah. Am I right? Did, did they win that game? I'm, t- I'm sorry, did they win that game? Mm-hmm. Yes. Switch it up. What you're doing ain't working. So find, a, find an answer. Be aggressive. I'm not going to kill you over being aggressive and falling short. What I am going to kill you over is playing soft and being like, well, oh, well, we tried. Not good enough. Impose your will. Make it happen. Alter the game. Because if you're not being aggressive against an individual like Drew Brees, they will cut you apart like a surgeon. And even if you do go on to win the NFC East, You've already demonstrated playing that kind of defense that you are not going to be able to go against the top offenses in the league. It's just not. Offensively, I'm, 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 I'm watching the Rams game. You can speak on this, Gail. Slants, slant. How hard is this to do? Oh, my God. I mean, just looking at the, that game between the Chiefs and the Rams, and you, you, you're thinking about our play calling and the basicness of what we're seeing, the level of screens that they're, that, that they're throwing at, out every week, you know, you know, uh, Andy Reid is throwing like triple screens. He's got a, he's got like a bubble screen in the waiting, a fake to the right, and then come back to Kelsey in the screen. Why? Where are these creative play calls? You know, but but the one thing that we're I'm seeing in the top offenses in the league hmm. is a running back that can stay on, stay out in the field on, on all four downs, screen games, 
and vertical threats. We don't have a vertical offense right now. Uh, but, you know, you have to find a way how to utilize Golden Tate in these bubble screens. Mm-hmm. You, you're looking at these plays that are slow developing with our offense, having to build them bubble screens to Golden Tate in the waiting. Something uh, with the way the, the line is blocking, you, you have to have a plan in place for when it goes, you know, they crap the bed here mm-hmm. offensively. And what did Mike Gross say today about fitting Golden Tate into the offensive game? Plan? Yeah, he's, challenging. He's, he's, he's having trouble. It's challenging. challenging. The, one what? of the most versatile players Come in the on, entire man. NFL. You can't, you can't draw up a play in the dirt for Golden Tate? Put him anywhere. Yeah. Any offensive coordinator's mouth would be watering to have a, a guy. This is a yak machine. Uh-huh. This is no basic and, slot receiver. And speaking of falling from graces, we, we did that trade two weeks ago, three weeks ago now. Um, now we were overjoyed for that, and now it's looking like that was all for nothing because he could walk at the end of this dude, year. Dude, he could walk at the end of this year, and all we have is is missing a draft pick. Dude, that's, th- that's th- all we've this got. is what I was preaching about when the trade deadline was coming up, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody except for Le'Veon Bell, which is clear now that was never going to happen to yeah. begin with. But he's <laughs> one of the top five backs, and I'm being generous. He's probably higher than that. Top five backs in the NFL, he would have made an immediate offensive impact. Everybody else that the Eagles could have possibly traded an asset for, a first for Patrick Peterson, a second for Johnson, a, a, a third for Golden Tate. There was That's why I was preaching. It's not about one bringing in one guy from the outside. And he's Clark Kent, and as soon as he steps foot in the Novacare complex, he's going to rip open that shirt, and you're going to see the S on his chest. Not going to happen. It's not about bringing a player in. It's about getting the 53 men that you currently have on this roster to get their you-know-what together, mm-hmm. to get them all in lockstep, to get them all in line. That was the important part because you're absolutely right. You're looking at the Golden Tate trade now. First of all, think about it from Golden Tate's perspective. Yeah, I'm leaving Detroit. Who the hell wants to be in Detroit? The weather sucks. The weather sucks. The city sucks. This team sucks. Mike Patricia sucks. I'm going to the defending Super Bowl champions, and I'm the missing piece that's going to turn their entire season around. Me and Carson Wentz are going to be at Bible study together. We're going to be singing Kumbaya on the guitar. It's going to be great. Love those Eagles fans. It's going to be great. Hallelujah! He leaves Detroit, comes to Philadelphia. Detroit's 4-6. and six. The Eagles are four and six, and if you're Golden Tate, looking at the way this offense is run with Mike Groh, who's telling me, I, "Dude, it's a challenge to get you into the offense." Uh, what? Wow. Why would I stick around here? They've, in essence, if they don't make the playoffs, you just wasted yeah. a third round pick in the hopes of like like Clark Kent would turn into Superman and save the season. So let me ask you guys something: when, um, whenever a team wins a Super Bowl, ultimately their coaches are going to be scouted by other teams, right? Mm. With, with with Frank Reich going, do you think that the Eagles were lackadaisical in their coaching search to replace Frank Reich um, in, in, in going with Mike Groh? Because I'm, I'm going to let you in on a little tidbit here. I'm not sure if you knew about Mike Groh. Mike Groh, he's got a little bit of nepotism that happened in his life. Yeah, really? He, he Papa used, Al. Pa, Papa Al, yes, correct. <laughs> Papa Al used to be the head coach of uh, the Virginia uh, Cavaliers, right? Okay. Right. And um, so... Micro was the offensive coordinator, and one game got so bad 
that his own father took the play calling abilities away from him during the game. Papa, so if you're telling me that dad. a guy who gets the play calling abilities taken away from his own father, who should have more confidence in him than any other person on earth, why did we have faith in him? You know, you know, you know what I was? It was the Josh McDaniels effect. He was supposed to go be the next head coach at the Indianapolis Colts, pulled out of the job, and then um, the Indianapolis Colts. I think relatively quickly. Yeah, he's Sweat. probably he's probably second in line. Yeah, signed Frank Reich. I mean, it it, se- it seemed like real, real quick. Whether that was for PR purposes, and listen, we just need to get another body in here. Hmm. We know the guy, or or they really were all in on Frank Reich. If Josh McDaniels didn't work out, uh, nevertheless, it le- left the Eagles kind of uh, a short window of opportunity to replace them. And being as this was a collaborative effort, or at least so yeah. described to us, us the fans going into it. Uh, yeah, let's just bump up grow. Yeah. I mean, he was a passing coordinator with the Rams with Jeff Fisher and a wide receiver's oh, coach. I mean, and, and he was he coached Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall when they had their uh, good, good seasons as receivers. So, you know, like. You what, know, do, what do you think Deuce Staley's influence is on this offense? I mean, he, he's, he's the assistant uh, head, head coach. coach. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you, you might want to start looking at Deuce Staley. Maybe ask him for something. I mean, he was the. Recently, he was the offensive coordinator for the East-West Shrine game uh, in 2017. And I, I think uh, he's a guy that's going to get an opportunity maybe to be offensive coordinator next year, maybe. Uh, someone's going to give him a shot. But mm-hmm. I, I, I know he's been waiting in the wings. Mm-hmm. He's been um, waiting in the wings. But Mike Rowe, you know, you got that over opportunity. But you, you also got – they brought up Press Taylor. Press I mean, Taylor. Press Taylor is the guy responsible who found mm-hmm. the, the Philly special. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, he, he's had – uh, opportunity to get plays, and you know it, that that was his task last year. But I just think it's it's hard to replace guys like DeFilippo and Frank Wright, who had you know their signatures on big important parts of this offense, whether it be uh, you know in the red zone, uh, you know down on third down. I mean, those are hard guys to replace, and we're seeing the effects. Uh, I don't think we saw that coming. Right away. So, do you guys think that this coaching staff is helping or hindering Carson Wentz's development? I, I think. I think. Uh, and follow-up question to that. Oh, okay, that's a loaded question. Though. That's a loaded first question. But go ahead. I know that this is completely hypothetical. It could never happen. What do you think, Carson? How do you think Carson Wentz would have developed with Andy Reid being his head coach? Well. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy, Andy's a Andy's a great coach for he's all of his great short quarterback developer. He's a great quarterback developer for all of his shortcomings. He really is a amazing coach. Now, a lot of that has to do with Monday through Saturday. Game day is a whole different story. Uh-huh. A lot of time, I mean, his shortcomings on game day have been well documented, both in play calling, getting away from stuff that's working for no apparent reason, and above all else, clock management. Hmm. Uh, but to get back to your your original question, Are they helping or hindering Carson's th- development? Right now, Carson's got enough on his plate coming back from a double knee tear. Like people forget, like he's coming back from a number, double knee tear after like nine months. Mm-hmm. And with all the injuries and the offensive line playing the way it is, it was a great baldy breakdown showing that Lane Johnson can't even plan on his left leg. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he's getting pushed back, pressure in his face. Um, I, 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 I don't want to blame any sort of performance issues on for Carson on the coaches yet. Yeah. Uh, I, I just see, you know, Carson's definitely pressing. You know, he, he's out there. I, I'm, I'm seeing some of the plays with Carson Wentz. And there's there are guys open where he's throwing into like double coverage mm-hmm. and he and he's pressing. 
when you don't have to. And I, I always go back to, you can never go broke. Uh, you know, you know, you take it in the easy stuff. And, mm-hmm. and he, he's got to he's got to really buy in, into that. Mm-hmm. You know, because that gunslinger mentality pops in. He feels like he has to press and make a play when you have plays in front of you. You just gotta, you know. But then, you know, like like I said, you know, losing Kelsey, you know, he was getting some pressure. Uh, and even when Kelsey was in there, he was messing up some plays. So I, you know, but he he's gotta he's he's gotta stop pressing. He's yeah. he's, he's throwing an interception, three straight games, like in what the third. Yeah. Um, you you can tell he's pressing and and really 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 trying to be do too much to make this offense work. Mm-hmm. And to some respects, that's what Doug Peterson is talking about. Well, just make the plays that are there. Don't force it. Yeah. Don't force it. Take what the defense is giving you. But, Doug, it's up to you to put Carson in advantageous positions to get it done. And it's interesting that the Saints, you know, I've been talking about this whole time about, you know, everybody knows Zach Ertz is getting the rock. The Saints really shut down Zach Ertz. Mm-hmm. Like two catches, 15 yards. They, they were doubling him the whole time. You know, like in the last seven games – uh, Dallas Goddard has 12 targets. Wow. In the last seven games, Zach Ertz has 70 targets. 70 targets. The whole league knows where you're going. Yeah. And, and you're look, looking at Drew Brees, and our ability on defense was to shut down Kamara and shut down Michael Thomas. Right. So we're showing extra attention to them. Guys like Kirkwood, Carr, and Traquan Smith. Smith that's getting to your next read yeah. and taking advantage of. And that's where we need the next progression for Carson Wentz to be at. So before we get on to get down the four downs, I'll just end this Eagles discussion on this because it's going to be interesting to kind of revisit this in the offseason. If I were to place money right now on what Eagles coaches are here to stay and what Eagles coaches are here to go, Doug Peterson, I think, obviously stays. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I think Jim Schwartz has got a built-in excuses with all the injuries mm-hmm. and being as he was a coordinator on the Super Bowl championship team that the Eagles decide to give him another chance and another year calling this defense. I think that Mike Groh ends up the Juan Castillo scapegoat, all right, or the Billy Davis scapegoat or whatever coordinator is going to be fired in the name of, hey, it wasn't me, it was him. Mm-hmm. I could dig that. And I think Deuce Staley, to you, to what you said, listen, if, I, if I'm looking for an offensive coordinator, but if I'm looking for a head coach, I'm really interested in Deuce Staley because here's a guy who has been at the top and here's a guy who's been down at the bottom. Mm-hmm. How many times have you seen assistant coaches over a, on a Super Bowl winning team go on to be hired as head coaches in the NFL and fall flat on their face because they don't know how to deal with down here? Mm-hmm. Deuce Staley is the kind of guy who is, knows what it's like to be at the top of the mountain mm-hmm. and knows what it's like to tumble back down and try to climb his way back he up. He took all the right steps to get there. He took all the right yeah. steps to be, get there. Mm-hmm. So let's take another guy, yeah. another guy from the, that's been underneath Andy Reid. You know, guy Andy, uh, Eric Bieniemy, mm. another guy that's learned under uh, Andy Reid. You never know. Let's take it four downs with Hollywood Hearn. Now we take you four downs with Hollywood Hearn. First down. So one of the most bizarre stories I've ever come across in uh, my years uh, following NFL football. The Browns, if they could not be more in a spiral, there was a story that came out that... One Miss 
Condoleezza Rice, former Secretary of the State, <laughs> was being talked about as their next head coach. Uh, the, the Browns owner, Jack Dorsey, quickly denounced it after that story came out. But I just want to know, how close do you guys think we are to a woman coach in the NFL? We've already got women referees. How close do you think we are to a woman coach? The, I mean, there, isn't there a woman coach in the league? Yeah, what was the, it? There, there was With a the woman. Uh, Cardinals? There was uh, two years ago, I believe, there was a whim, woman assistant defensive backs coach. Yeah. Okay. What about in a coordinator, or uh, like an offensive <laughs> defensive coordinator or head coach capacity? As progressive as this society has gotten and as progressively as we're all thinking, I think we're light years away from actually seeing a coordinator um, who could stand up in front of a group of men and call them all sorts of names that I can't say on the air because of NBC and everything like that. But you've been in coaches' meetings. You've been dressed down by a coach. You have more experiences with coaches than I do. So why why don't why don't you? I think I, we're far far away. But what, I think it would take a while. I think there's some kind of uh, you know, if if that was supposed to happen, uh, they'd have to really excel in, at the college collegiate level. Yeah. yeah. You you know, if you find a coach that excels at the collegiate level. Then we'll start talking about the NFL. You don't think Condoleezza Rice should just jump from Secretary of State to head coach of a football team? Uh, you think that's a little no. bit ridiculous? Uh, I'm, but, not, but feeling, on, on, I'm on, not feeling Condi. On the, on the plus side of things, I am happy to see female referees. Definitely. Yeah. I am happy to see female strength and conditioning coaches. Mm-hmm. I am happy to see female uh, assistant coaches. I think we're closer than we are further away, but I still think we're we're... we're we're not anywhere close yet. That time will eventually at some point come. Okay. Second down. So, um, exactly 33 years to the day after Joe Theismann's horrific injury, Alex Smith goes down with a compound fracture, uh, breaking his tibia and fibula. Jeez. Did you, first of all, I'm, I assume you guys saw that. And I wouldn't watch it. You, you refuse to watch it? No, every, 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 time a, every, every time a replay comes up, I, I turn my head. So... How do you think that shakes out for the Washington Redskins for the rest of the year? Well, it, it's does re- it sink them? It's it's really an unfortunate injury, and I'm and I'm never one to, to to root for injury or laugh at another team's misfortune, especially when it comes to that. That's that's a devastating. I mean, when you talk about a compound fracture, a spiral fracture, you're talking about bone that's never going to heal properly, yeah. sticking out of your skin. He's probably he's probably played his last game. He, he, in all honesty, at his age. Yeah, he, he, he probably has. However, I do think that the Washington Redskins can continue to win games. I, I, I don't think Sanchez is going Colt to start. McCoy. Colt McCoy. I think they can still continue to win games with Colt McCoy. Because what are they really asking Alex Smith to do? That offense isn't Just centered around him. He had uh, 2,180 yards, 24th best in the NFL, 10 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 218 yards per game average, and an 85.7. He's a game manager. Mm -hmm. So if Colt McCoy can just play mistake-free football and manage a game and continue, Adrian uh, Peterson can continue to have the production that he's had, there's no reason to think that the Washington Redskins still can't win games. You know what's really weird? Some weird factoids here. Uh, (laughs) This is getting to get it real weird in here. Uh, I mean, the Alex Smith and Joe Theismann injuries. Same date, November 18th. Yikes. Same score, 23-21. Yikes. Same yards of attempt. It was five yards. Same leg. Same injury. 
injured on the third sack of the game. Wow. And Romeo Cornell was on the sidelines for both games. Wow. NFL Illuminati. That is the NFL <laughs> Illuminati. If I've that ever is heard. really weird. That was, that was written in stone. That guy just didn't even know it. Just <laughs> didn't even know it. It's, an, it's unfortunate. I still think the Redskins can win games. What else you got? Third down. So, as we were talking about last week, we talked about how a Shakira concert is what ruined the uh, game of the year in mm-hmm. Mexico City for, for the uh, Mexican fans to be able to go watch. It no ended up bueno. It ended up living up to its expectations. Mm-hmm. A whopping 105 points were scored in the game. 54 to 51 is the highest scoring game in NFL history, and it's the first time an NFL team has ever put up 50 points and lost. Boys, what were your thoughts on the game? Couldn't even blink. Yeah. Couldn't even blink. And 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 I'm torn because I, you know, call me an old head. Mm-hmm. I like defense. I, I, you know, I like a knockout fight of a football game. But I would be lying to you, straight faced, if I said I didn't enjoy every last second of that score fest. You didn't even want to blink. My eyes were wide and glued to mm-hmm. the TV. And if that's the product that the NFL is trying to put on the field for years to come. Old head or no old head, sign me up That's for that. Exciting. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, that was exciting. I mean, I was still upset. Like, I didn't watch it on Monday night. Mm-hmm. I actually woke up at 5 o'clock this morning and started watching the game. And I was so amped. I was like, this is amazing what I'm watching here. You know, plus we're watching the Youngbloods mm-hmm. and, and Jared Goff and Mahomes. Right. Gunslinger mentality. Right. We're watching the high-flying vertical threats in, in, in Hill. Uh, we're watching defensive uh, genius in, in Aaron Donald with two strips. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was defensive scores here and there, left and right. It was down to the very last end of the game, and I, it was super exciting. I, I'm glad that uh, I woke up this early to watch a great game. How much of that game were you guys uh, watching and just thinking to yourself, like, never mind, never mind. Okay. Fourth down. Let's go fourth down. Let's go fourth down. All right, so um, I just want to know, it's Thanksgiving, so I just want to stick with the Thanksgiving theme. What are you guys thankful for from these 2018 Eagles? Not, so, so don't cop out. Super Bowl doesn't count. Super Bowl doesn't count. So this 2018 Eagles team, tell me what you are thankful for. Um, God. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm thankful for the tailgates, uh, especially the home opener tailgate. That was absolutely amazing. I'm thankful yeah. that the Eagles stopped by and Don Smolenski lit the jersey on fire. Yes. Uh, I'm, th- I'm thankful for the good company that has made this rough season a tough one to digest a lot easier to stomach. Okay. Because the people who show up to the tailgates and the people who support us on social media and listen to the podcasts and leave the reviews – um, as much as we seem like therapy to you sometimes, believe me when I say that you guys are therapy to us. Yeah, I mean, as we travel and meet, meet everybody and, 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 like, you know, great people, man. And that, that's the best part about doing what we're doing is meeting solid Eagle fans across the world. Um, but I'm just thankful, uh, you know, that we're all here to, you know, enjoy these uh, Eagle games, man. These tailgates have been amazing. Before we get on out of here, a couple uh, couple notes of business. We're going to switch it up tailgate-wise this time around. Uh, there, there was a forecast for rain and a little, a little cold. It's, it's going to be a little dicey. Something that happened at the last tailgate that I really enjoyed and, and kind of missed, because I started my entire like social media thing about going bouncing from tailgate to tailgate and just filming how other fans did it. And I did that last tailgate. 
And there was a DJ spinning and cutting and, and scratching with the drummer. You ever see a DJ drummer combo? Mm. Oh, it's fantastic. And then the guy had the casket. Granted, looks silly at the end. But, you know, what we're going to do, what the 4th and John crew is going to do, we're not throwing our own tailgate this time around. What? We, yeah, for the first time in a long time. We're at, we actually want to crash your tailgate. We want to come see how you get down. Because there's a lot of other great parties going on in that parking lot. Justin. Well, listen, I'll bring the hat. <laughs> I'll bring the beer bong, which, by the way, wasn't wasn't allowed at the bar. By the way, shout out to uh, Mulligan's, Mulligan's Puds in Hoboken. In, in Hoboken. Yeah. They showed us a good time. They showed us a good time. Wasn't a great game. Showed us a great time. We really appreciate it. But we want to come crash your tailgates. We want to see how you do. At your thing. So if you have a tailgate, hit us up at 4th and John. Hit us up at the Mighty E-Rock at Eagle Sessions. Hit one of us up. Let us know what lot you're going to be at. We'll come by, swing by, maybe eat a little food, maybe drink a little drink, have a little bit of a party. Do a little tailgate drive-by. A little tailgate drive-by and, and, and come say hello. Make sure you have a pork roll. This is yeah. trucks in the bushes. <laughs> And uh, last thing I wanted to get to before we get on boogieing on out of here, this is our uh, final show with our producer, Justin, who is moving on down as an associate program director in Baltimore, is going to be covering the, the Ravens and the O's and the Terps and everything like that. First of all, I just want to let people uh, know that Justin is the unsung, unheard, sort of third founding member of 4th and John. The legend! The legend. Because there would be no 4th and John if he didn't sign us to New Media Studios. There would be no 4th and John if he didn't take us to Wildfire Radio. And there would be no 4th and John for NBC Sports Philadelphia if he didn't help make that transition as as smooth and seamless as possible. So... Uh, uh, on behalf of this group in here, Justin, we want to wish you the best, uh-huh. uh, whatever you got going forward. Um, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts uh, for putting up with uh, specifically me, because I know I'm not always easy to work with and we've butted heads, but so does every every family, you know, butts head from time to time. Good observation. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we've worked hard together. Uh, Justin, you're the man. I, 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 I wish you the best of luck, and I mean that with all sincerity. And Justin, thank you so much for giving us the vehicle to make all this happen. Uh, I remember that taking that photo with me and E in front of New Media Studios and being like, wow, this is something that we thought about, and now it's a reality because of uh, Justin. Because so of you, thank man. you. Because of you. Thank so you for thank everything you. you've done, thank and don't ever get rid of that Deshaun Jackson jersey. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, don't get ever Wear it proud down in Baltimore. Dirty. <laughs> stanky, stained-up Deshaun Jackson jersey. So, Justin, if you will, for the final time, under your guidance, take us out. Don't screw it up on the last show. (laughs) He's got no words. He's got no words. He's back behind the glass tearing up. Again, if you have a tailgate... Happening for the New York Giants game, of course, hit us up at 4th and John, uh, at the Mighty E-Rock, at Eagle Sessions. Let us know where you're going to be, what's going on. We're going to stop by, maybe do a couple beer bong baptisms, blessings, eat some food. Yes. Uh, Yes. Listen, birds, somebody step up. Be that vocal leader. Be angry. Angry dogs bite harder. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles.
Eagles football. We're talking Eagles football. You're listening to Fourth and John. Wait, what the f is a John anyway? Hello, this is Kermit the Frog. Just kidding. How about them Cowboys? Yeah! This is Trucks in the bushes. Whatever. We're all high in here. What? Oh, he needs no. some milk. This is Trucks in the bushes. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.